You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. The man across from me is a comedy magician, world-renowned celebrity, Louis Fox. Oh, thank you. And then the other host is Mr. Matthew Baker. He runs a comedy stunt show. You can catch him catching bowling balls on his face nightly. Thank you. That's very sweet of you to say, Louis. Despite your doctor's orders. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast, which is All Things Moisture Festival. And if you're new to the Moisture Festival, it is a four-week festival that celebrates variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood here in Seattle. It's the largest festival of its kind in the world and has some of the best entertainers from around the globe, whether it's comedians, hula hoopers, jump ropers, you name it. It's there. Absolutely. And it happens in the months of March and April. And not only do they have, like, amazing, amazing variety acts, they also feature a week of burlesque shows. Amazing, amazing burlesque (laughs) shows. So if you're listening to this during the festival, again, March and April, be sure to get your tickets because 95% of all the shows sell out. And you can do that by going to moisturefestival.com. Dot org. Yes, you don't want to be like my mom who went out to see a show I was in. Show was sold out. She couldn't get in. Yeah, you got to know somebody. Yeah, you got to know someone. <laughs> I refused to come for a ticket. <laughs> <I said. laughs> so on this episode, we have the very funny Henrik Bota from Denmark slash Portland. And we talked to him. Portmark. <laughs> Denland. We recorded this episode at the Jupiter Hotel in Portland, Oregon, and we talked to him about a variety of different things. His per- trek across the United States. Yes, his command performances for Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We hear about what it takes to become the largest bull-spinning gif in the world. <laughs> and he is a Moisture Festival veteran, and we're happy to have him on today's episode. So let's get to the conversation. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, folks, we are recording from the Jupiter Hotel in Portland. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. And we are very excited about who we have in the hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> <Ow>! <laughs> uh, we have a man who's been on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He's been on Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keeler. He's been on The Gong Show twice. And he's been in room 219 <laughs> yes, yes. with Matt and Louie. We have Henrik Bota in the hotel room. Thanks so much for Welcome. coming, man. Hey, it's a pleasure. And I just got to point out, I mean, a lot of people don't know Garrison Keillor anymore, but those that do get the joke that that was juggling on a radio show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, isn't that he said that too about he, you, right? He did say that. So yes. how did that come about? Like and you do a lot. It's a, for a live audience. It's for a live audience. broadcast on the radio. And and all of it is is audio. Uh-huh. And um, we kind of have a mutual connection because he was married to a Danish woman at some point. So so we connected and, and I knew he was coming to Seattle. I said, hey, you want to come over for dinner? <laughs> this really? And he said, well, I'll probably be a little busy, but uh, hey, you want to come be on the show? And I said, you mean uh, juggling on the radio? He said, yeah, 
it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Karamasa brothers actually did that uh, at one point also. They and supposedly they juggle cats. Oh, nice. Uh, they nice. pretended to juggle <laughs> cats and they actually got death threats. So wow. But luckily, when I was on Garrison Keeler. No death threats. Yeah, but that it was, was fun. That was Tim's job in the Karamazov. He would do the cat sounds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, write, and write the fake death threats. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, wow, so, what a cool that was a cool thing. And, huh? and, but it was cool because most of the time, you know, the audience is yeah, yeah, you know, they're watching something that's meant for radio, so uh, it's yeah. not that visual. And all of a sudden, I come on. And I jump rope on a unicycle and I juggle ping pong balls, you know, the user yeah, yeah. by spitting them up. And yep. so he's narrating and the crowd is going nuts because <laughs> there is not much to look at once yeah. you notice his bow tie and his red hit once, the microphone. Yeah, once you see the person you came to see. Once you've yeah. seen him, you once you you've seen the giraffe, you know, there's not that much. So yeah. I was just tearing it up and the audience was going, Wah. Yeah. And so he had to explain, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> people are now clapping because <laughs> Henrik is spitting ping pong balls yeah. up in the air and catching him <laughs> with his mouth. <laughs> Still a cool endorsement, you know, yeah. to have your show narrated by yeah, Jason yeah, yeah. Keeler. I mean, he's he's such a, an amazing storyteller. It's like having I mean, your show narrated by David Attenborough yeah. or something. <laughs> Ken Burns. <laughs> And now, the Danish juggler. We will zoom in on this still photo so you can see the molar. So if you haven't figured it out and you haven't seen Henrik's show, he is a comedy juggler. Mm -hmm. Uh, You spin plates. What else do you do? Spin plates is my... uh, Actually, that's my biggest claim to fame. And if you Google plate spinning gif, I am the first... Four out of five, and then again, I'm number six. I don't know what happened to the spot. Who's number five? <laughs> Who took five? I think it's a cat that <laughs> pretends to spin damn it this plates. Uh, uh, but anyway, I have out of the six top spots for plate spinning games, plate I, spin. I am in the top. But yeah, that's like on my phone. Yeah. Without no, without you telling that me. That is a huge claim. Yeah, I'm I mean, number three for singing goats. I'm so. number I'm number seven for plate spinning <laughs> gifts. <laughs> no, you're not. Because <laughs> he's so, seven, eight, nine too. So, but you know, they say that everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame, or yeah. is it 15 seconds? I'm not 15 sure. Minutes. 15 minutes. So you know, I get like three and a half seconds repeated, repeated, repeated. That's amazing. So I'm like. You know, is the gifts of you messing it up? <laughs> they're trying. Well, they're down. actually there are a couple of different ones. Somebody took uh, my plate spinning video and they took different clips of it. So uh. one of them actually, my favorite one is like I run. I'm doing one, two, three, four plates, and then five falls off. And mm-hmm. I run over and catch it. Yeah, and then yeah. Back, one, two, three, five. Catch oh, that's cool. Uh. One, two, three, four, five. Catch. Yeah, it. yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Catch and so forth. Wow. And, and people use these like they're like Mondays at work. Be like. And yes. then it's you dropping the plate. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and I have no idea how that ended up being a world-famous gift. That's I had amazing. no part of it. Now, so. So, so you didn't endorse it. Do you have any copyright claim? Are you going to sue yeah, Apple? Yeah, how does that work? I, I don't know who to sue. And, and, you know, I just take it as a compliment, you know. And the company well, of GIF. You know, uh, it's I, like I, nobody's I, making Well, yeah. I don't know if somebody's making money on it. Yeah, now, yeah. is that uh, the plate spinning? I've seen you do this for years. And it's, yeah. a, take, it's a traditional circus skill. I saw when I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. uh, I saw the, the same guy that was on uh, Really Big Shoe, Ed Sullivan, yeah, yeah. Uh, was performing in, on TV shows in Europe. And I saw him, I was like, that is so flippin' cool. Yeah. And, but then later on, it took a long time before I actually started uh, performing it. 
And so now I'm the world's most famous plate spinner, at least according to GIF. <laughs> now, when you learn plate spinning, do you just go like, were you a kid or an adult? No, I was an adult. I was an adult. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I already had a show going by then, and I was living in Seattle, actually. Okay. And, and uh, I just said, I bet I can do that. So I took some uh, two by four and screwed it onto a board and drilled a hole in it and stuck some some stakes in it or some you know poles and I started spinning, spinning and it went pretty well. And, yeah. and then uh, there was a Chautauqua benefit down mm-hmm. in in Eugene. I'm like, ah, I can do that in the show. And at that point, I had a rig with with six dowels so I could spin six plates, but I couldn't fit the table. That was a really good sturdy table, for, and I couldn't fit it, so I just drove down and figured I'll find a table down in the Wow Hall down in Eugene. I did, and I got spinning. I had twenty plates from a thrift store. Wow. And I'm like, I'm ready to hit it. And the band, the uh, Fighting Instruments of Karma, marching slash chamber orchestra, <laughs> was play, playing. And you know, it was like energy was high. And I was trying to spin six plates, and I never got more than four spinning oh, because that man. table was really shaky, and I didn't really yeah. know that you know it doesn't work on every table. Uh. So. I never got more than than four spinning, and I was chasing my tail around oh, like a dog. Oh man! And uh. Crash, crash, crash! In the end, did they had, actually shatter on the ground? They, I broke eighteen plates. In the <laughs> end of the, in the end of it, I had two plates left. And but what was funny was that uh, my good friend uh, Paul Black, who's a, a drummer in the band, that he came up afterwards and said. Don't change a thing. My face is hurting from laughing. But just because he saw your pain, uh, it was like the whole audience were just dying. It's like, I mean, it's it, like was, it was yeah, funny when you watch like comedians. Like comedians watch other comedians. They don't watch them to do well. They're hoping that they bomb because yeah. that's the funny yeah. part. Right? Yeah, yeah, watching yeah. you suffer. But I did learn one thing, and that was that I had to keep the element of chaos in it. I have to make people believe that I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. and then when I succeed at, then it's like. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen you do this a number of times, and it is always that moment where people are just waiting for you to spin that last one. And when you do it, they they lose it, man. Yeah. It's awesome. And is that what you did on the gong show? Did you do that routine? No, I didn't. On the gong show, I did Neon Man, Mm -hmm. and uh, that rocked. And then uh, we also did the the Bellini Twins on. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we did it. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get to those. We'll get to them in a little bit. I have questions about them. (laughs) You want to go with the Bellini Twins? Twins or go with Neon Go Man? Neon Man. Go All Neon right. Man. So what is Neon Man and how'd you come up with it? Oh, so Neon Man, I was in Korea performing at a World's Fair and I saw these traffic cops that had these red long uh, sticks that you now see people use to, uh, for directing traffic. Yeah, it's like, called a marshalling stick. Okay, marshalling stick. I didn't even know He's, a, he's the marshalling stick ambassador <laughs> so, to the UN. So I was in Korea and I'm like, where do I get those? And I finally found Electronic Street in so they have a street that's all electronics, uh-huh. and some of them were selling these sticks. However, they were flashing, and I didn't want them flashing. So I like jiggled around, found out that if I went into the little circuit board inside of it, if I shorted these two connectors, I could make it stay on. And so I came up with this bit um, that uh, where you hear uh, uh, the sound of a plane landing, and I was directing it like the. I guess they're called airplane marshals. It's an aircraft marshal. <laughs> aircraft marshal, <laughs> Mr. Linko of it all. So anyway, I did this routine where I would, you know, direct it in as if it was coming into the gate, and then I would stop it, and then 
the music changed and sort of I was imagining that this guy's wearing a Walkman and so you start hearing this music so he starts dancing around with these sticks and then he swings them around and they draw all these amazing patterns in the air and then in the end and because he's been goofing off with the aircraft marshalling sticks <laughs> they're just marshalling sticks because you can marshal a lot of things not just aircraft <laughs> This guy. So the plane like <laughs> gets it wrong and crashes oh, right yeah, into yeah. the building, uh, yeah. and and you actually hear the last thing you hear is the sound of a plate. Oh, that's nice. Wobbling around, oh, yeah. it ties yeah. into the plate spinning yeah. again. So that was the that was the beginning of, of a neon man. So essentially, it's a it looks like a stick figure. It looks like a stick figure, and, and it's in sort of whatever you guys are calling it, glow sticks. Yeah. You know. And and the character sort of dances around and does a, v- a variety of seri- yeah, series he, of clown he com- stunts. And- he comes around on stage and, and he starts dancing around and all of a sudden his head flies off. So he oh, goes chasing cool. after his head and then oh, his head nice. comes back and then uh, juggling balls appear. He juggles a little oh, cool. bit. And then the plane sound comes on and the plane is coming on stage and he's oh, that's directing nice. it by swinging. Now I'm, I should be on television here so you can see my <laughs> me directing with the... Marshalling how did sticks. it go? How did it go on the Gong show? <laughs> it went killer. Yeah, you know? no Gong, no Gong. They couldn't find it in the dark. And, yeah, and they, they couldn't find it. And uh, Priyanka Chopra, do you know her? Mm-hmm. No, she's uh, a very uh, beautiful actress. Said that is my favorite thing. Uh-huh. I give it a ten. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wait, was, so they they rank you with numbers? They don't they actually get, gong you anymore. No, well, they will also gong you, and then you don't get ranked. Oh, but okay. if you make it all the through uh, the whatever uh, two minute period, they will actually vote on how good you. Are. Oh, nice, so, yeah. nice. No. Not only did this woman, this person I've never heard of, say something nice about you. Eddie Murphy said, "Dude, that was awesome. I had no idea anyone spins plates like that anymore. How? What? Tell me about that. How did that happen?" So I was living in Hawaii, and an agent calls up and says, "I have a gig for you. It's a little unusual." And said, "Sounds great. I love unusual, <laughs> you know." And that turned out to be the uh, presidential suite over at the Hapuna Prince Hotel. And there Eddie was with his family, and there was like a show for 15 people. (laughs) So they just had a private show for Eddie Murphy? They just had a private show for Eddie Murphy. (laughs) I did it once, and then two years later... He called up again and said, hey, can I get that juggler again? Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. And, and that time, I actually brought Charlie Brown with me, mm. and we performed the Flaming Heterosexual oh, nice. Chainsaw Ballet for him. Look uh-huh. at you. Some people do presidential command performances. You do Eddie Murphy command yeah. performances. But hearing his laughter when you are doing yeah, something. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is pretty awesome. And That's pretty great. Afterwards, he came up and said, hey, can I try that? I'm usually like, no, of course Eddie? Yeah, of course. Have yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Break you want to set it on fire? Yeah. You want to meet my wife? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever you want, man. <laughs> so it was pretty cool, and uh, he, he never got a plate spinning. He broke a few of them, and he was like, this is cool. Man, but, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Now, was he someone you I, I, listened I, to his comedy? I and, have loved Eddie yeah, Murphy. He's phenomenal, man. Ever. I mean, there's a couple of comedians that would say these are my top five, and him, Chris Rock. Yeah, uh, Steve Martin. I used to really like. Maybe that's my top three right there. Now, are, when you grew up in Denmark, and did you get a lot of American television growing up? Or? Um, uh, yeah, we got a lot of uh, American television, but we didn't really get comedians and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We got you know TV series, McLeod, Columbo, oh, one more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because well, you think? Do you think because comedy? Like, because I find when I go to places that 
uh, don't even speak American English, like even England, like my comedy is hard to understand. Yes. Especially when it's, you know, a second language. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I I suffer. My show is rough. Yeah. I mean, it it sort of depends on where you go. If you go to Europe, of course, if you go to England, you Mm. should be doing all right. But if you go to the smaller countries in Europe, like Denmark and Holland, especially now, they grow up with English mm-hmm. so much more than gotcha. they used to. In Germany, so they, the they don't as much because they dub their television, so yeah. they don't learn English. And laughter has been banned there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they, they have ways to make people laugh. <laughs> now, how do you play in, in Denmark? You know, I don't. <laughs> I, really? I have not played in Denmark since I moved over here, basically, okay. in 1988. But it's kind of on my bucket list. I should put some energy into lining up a, a, a few theater shows. You should uh, just do it in the, English so they don't know you You know, I Danish. sometimes get a little rusty in, in Danish because there are all these phrases that you're used to. You know, hang out. If you translate that directly yeah. to Danish, it doesn't really work. But, I mean, people will understand it when you speak English, but if I try and say it in Danish, the the phrases that I'm so used to, you know, I'll kind of stumble a little bit. So, <laughs> well, it's uh, interesting. Sad. How how long have you lived in the states? Uh, since '88. So, so I've been longer over here than I've been in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. So you'll sense. be using like slang that people go, "What the hell?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, like, and I'm not up on the Danish slang anymore, uh, and, and I guess I'm kind of getting old because I kind of I find that it sounds a little stupid. <laughs> yeah, like I've lived in Seattle longer than I lived in Oregon, and I like Soundgarden a lot more than the Grateful Dead now. Yeah, I know it's, my it's... parents don't know me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so this is curious because uh, we uh, we have a friend. I don't know if you know Hilby the yeah German, yeah okay, yeah. So Hilby's a German juggler, and he does performs over here in English, and he crushes. Yes, he destroys. But he tells me that when he goes to Germany, he has a hard time because the novelty of him being a German wearing the Lederhosen yes. here in the United States, it doesn't exist there. Yeah. And yeah. he's just yeah. like this goofy guy. And, a lot. Yeah. and so he says he struggles sometimes. So that's why we ask about performing yeah. in Denmark. Yeah. If, if well, and it's and it's funny you mentioned Hilby because him and I used to kind of tag team this uh, Cunard uh, ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would be on for a month. but And sometimes we would meet in the transfer. Uh-huh. I would get on and he would get off and or vice versa. And so we heard about each other, but we were never on together because we do, uh, you know, the same Two genre, genres, yeah. right? And so we were always on because I speak German and, and he speaks German. So we were the favorite on this cruise ship that would have, you know, a quarter Germans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's funny. I, I, I knew about him so much longer before I actually yeah. met him. And hopefully he lived up to the hype. He's, he's a very yeah. sweet guy. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. you know, great. And, and But it was funny to be on a ship there because, because uh, you know, the Germans like to be catered to by spe- uh, being spoken to in German. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I would say a joke in English and it would kill. And then I would repeat it in German. And it wouldn't do very well because they really got it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> they just heard the punchline. <laughs> and then I would go, hmm, obviously, that's a lot more funny in English than it is in German. Is he going to do the whole show like this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many languages do you speak? I'm, f- I'm super fluent, you know, three, four, you know, Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish, all very similar. Okay. I speak a little bit of French, but, you know, it's, it's rusty. So Danish, German, and, and English. And I performed in Japanese also, but that was, you know, with cue cards. And, oh, gotcha. But managed. You're like, I can't read these cue cards all written <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> how, many, how many languages do you, would you feel comfortable saying that you could perform your show in? 
I mean, I would actually say in, in Japan because I worked. I worked for nine weeks in the uh-huh. basement of a, of a Hilton over there, uh-huh. and it was me, a duo magic act, and and five topless dancers. All right, that sounds amazing. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. I tell you that. So when you are translating your show, how do, how does that work? You do you write it out line for line? Well, and... I I had a lot of it was these was fairly uh, small bits that we were doing, so a lot of it was to music. Mm-hmm. But I would have one bit. Um, I usually get two uh, volunteers out on stage and they put me in a straitjacket and they lift me on a unicycle and I used to have them sing Star Spangled Banner and then they would go oh say can you see but they don't they wouldn't remember it Mm -hmm. and then I would hand them the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner after I would say oh maybe we should do it with a watch and I would pickpocket their watches Mm -hmm. and hand them out and then I would hand that back. Oh, that's nice. So I was going to Japan, and uh, and somebody suggested that I do it to the fifth of Beethoven, which is da-da-da-da, but the disco version. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah and yeah, so, yeah. you know, in Japan, there was no way I was going to get them to sing anything. So I my show changed right then. And, you know, sometimes it's the influences from outside that change your show, and you're going... Well, that's awesome. So yeah, well, I've I used that, that song all the time uh-huh. ever since because it's consistent. It's yeah. boom, boom, well, boom. Well, it translates languages. It's, and it, it's just a jamming song. And so it works if you play anywhere. it backwards, it's actually a Star Spangled Banner. And we <laughs> so. all know that, of course. <laughs> but anyway, so I would get two guys up from the audience in Japan, and I would say in Japanese, I can't remember it right now, but I would say, do you speak English? And they would go, ah, oh, no, no, no. And i go, oh. I speak Japanese and I pull out my cue card and I'd gotten this book called Making Out in Japanese. <laughs> and so I would use basically a new line every day. And my goal was to make the stagehand who was standing in the, in the wings to make him laugh. Yeah. When, and when I said this one line, he ended up on the floor because I said, do you like to make love in the shower? <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong, wrong card. <laughs> and I would stick that card. So I would play with yeah, nothing that's funny. to speak yeah, yeah. the language. Smart. And, and yeah. uh, it, it worked killer yeah that's amazing yeah now i have a question because i was going through some information on you and it says that you began entertaining at the early age of three when you drove the family vw bug <laughs> into the sea what is uh can you share that so story is the I grew is up, the lawsuit still pending no, <laughs> the, no been cleared of charges <laughs> <laughs> no but i grew up uh, right on on uh, the ocean in denmark so there was our carport sloping a little bit, a road, and then uh, some rocks that sloped also. And then there was uh, the sound that goes between the North Sea and the Baltic Sea. Mm-hmm. And it was right there. And we'd, you know, spend all summer swimming and sailing and stuff. But so my, my parents are working in the garden and I was just sitting there in the VW playing. And, I, you know, what do you do? That's a gear shift and... Uh, or a handbrake or whatever. I don't know exactly. And you're three at this time? And I'm three at that time. My mom's pregnant with my brother. She's up (laughs) pulling weeds. Watchful eye. And all of a sudden she looks out and and there's our red VW buck slowly (laughs) rolling down the driveway and then across the street and down the road, down the rocks and into the ocean. But they float. Oh, oh, oh it's one of those yeah. one of those VW things yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, it's true. It's they built float. for the water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's built for the water. <laughs> so anyway, they're like, ah. my, I think my mom actually came down three weeks early because of when my brother, because she was pregnant <laughs> that time. But my dad was an ocean. in and he comes out and he gets me. I don't know if the window was down or got me. Gets me roll. You can't yeah. open the door. Right? Yeah, of course. So he gets me out of the window and swims me back in. And then he swims out with a rope and they pull it in and, and then, you know, 
Danish AAA come and they pull it up and took it into town and hosted it down and we got it back a couple of days later. Wow. Did they let you drive you know, it into town after that? Oh, good. Well, they towed it into it. And, you know, I, didn't, I didn't drive anything for a long time. Wow. <laughs> but now, I was three, so. Did you have family here in the United States when you moved over here? No, no. When you came out here, what were you chasing? Well, what happened was that first time I came to the States was in 1984. I left Denmark in, uh, in the fall. I hitchhiked through from Denmark down to uh, Portugal. Mm -hmm. Then I hitchhiked with sailboat uh, to Canary Islands and then with another sailboat across the Caribbean and was and bummed around the Caribbean for a while. And then I ended up uh, on a boat that took me up to West Palm Beach. I hitchhiked to New Orleans and... There, at that point, I could juggle, I could swallow fire, I had a little act where I could vanish a little red handkerchief, I could swallow fire, and I could do just little of this, little of that. I come to New Orleans, I, there are lots of performers there. I could do my show, and I would gather a crowd, and then I could say, would you like to see it again? Because <laughs> I, just, I just had like a pre-show. You're but like, I'm going to now do it in German. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Underwater. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I, at that point, it was uh, the most um, dramatic thing in my performing career that happened. And that was I saw Waldo and Woodhead. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Were they doing street performing they there? They were doing street performing uh, there. And they were uh, just amazing. I, I saw every single show of theirs and they just became my heroes because all of us before that i thought juggling is cool you know to do but to watch it's kind of like parallel bars mm -hmm. so you know it's great to watch the world's best for two minutes yeah but it's not mm -hmm. that entertaining but all of a sudden i saw what character and music and comedy added in with i mean waldo is one of the best performing jugglers i've ever seen mm -hmm. you know and he just they just rocked it, mm -hmm. and I loved them. So after that, I went up to uh, Boston, and I went to MIT to the juggling club, mm -hmm. and um, and I started practicing uh, ping pong ball juggling. I started juggling clubs, uh, spinning lasso, and, and I got a show going at Faneuil Hall, mm -hmm. and that was that was the first time I, I could really claim that I had a, a functioning show. Yeah. yeah, and then after that, I traveled around some, and uh, you know. Traveled to the West Coast, saw Butterfly Man and Dana Smith and all the people on the, on the West Coast. I went back to Europe, and uh, that fall, I hooked up with uh, Dave Rave, David Gomez. Oh, yeah. And uh, he had done the opposite. He'd gone to Europe where he'd started That's juggling. That's funny. And so we teamed up, and for six years, we were known as uh, Twist and Shout. Yeah, I have that written here that you you performed with... Him in the early '80s, and then you also performed with Woody from. Was yeah. that from Waldo yeah. and Woodhead? Well, that came so much later. Yeah. Okay, but that was you know fun fun to team okay. up. Okay, hold him. on, we'll get to that in yeah. one second. Yeah, all right now. So anyway, we so, we teamed up as Twist and Shout, and mm. we worked together in Europe for three years, and then he was getting kind of homesick, and he wanted to go back to the states, and he wanted to go back to San Francisco. And I'm like, eh, sounds pretty good. I'll tag along. So we moved up and. And I left Denmark, and and uh, we went to San Francisco, and uh, and after some trials and tribulations, <laughs> we ended up performing at Pier Thirty Nine, yeah, and, and all over the the cannery and all of fishing. So fishing you just sports. you just saw the states as a something that was fun that you could probably travel around and do yeah, maybe yeah. do some sh shows, cut your teeth, yeah, 
And you never sort of like was like, I'm going to end up here. This yeah, is where yeah, I want to live. Know, I traveled across the the Atlantic on a sailboat and I was going, should I go South America or North America? But I kind of always knew I was going to go North America. Uh, because, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just part of the Danish culture. And I knew I had a, an inkling I would just fit in really well. Yeah. And, and I mean, I love it here, you know. Now I'm now I'm a citizen. Yeah. <laughs> so why the Northwest? I mean, because you know, um, hold on, because you've lived in Seattle, like you said. Yeah. You now live in Portland, but you also lived in Hawaii. What, yeah. What yeah. was the sort of progression, the thing? Well, it's like I'm these... doing the whole ring of fire. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Well, I started off in San Francisco for three years. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up uh, getting married to somebody who lived in Seattle. So I moved there afterwards. And, and Dave and I, we split up. And he ended up going to Japan, and I ended up doing cruise ships. So I ended up in Seattle, and then after a while, uh, I was doing cruise ships a lot, and I was getting a little uh, tired of being gone for a month, home for a month, gone for a month, home for a month. And my friends never knew if I was home. Or yeah, if I'm, I know that know. feeling, yeah. Yeah, so I decided, ah, if I'm going to, I'd like to be in Hawaii because, you know, uh, I joined the group of jugglers that bought uh, belly acres in Hawaii, mm. and we had the Hawaiian Juggling Festival going. And, and it, I've always just, you know, since I came first time in 1987, I was just hooked on Hawaii. Yeah, you know, coming from beautiful. Denmark, where in the winter time the oh, sun geez. goes down, <laughs> comes up at nine and goes down at three Jeez. p.m. You know, yeah, yeah. six hours of daylight, yeah. and then going to Hawaii in the middle of the winter. They call it the Alaska of Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it is actually. It's, I mean, we're on same latitude as. Yeah. Anchorage. Oh, really? So, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So it. I mean, does, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's dark, dank, and I mean, it's not <laughs> even that cold. It's just freaking miserable. Yeah. So Hawaii, that was amazing. <laughs> Hawaii was amazing. Yeah. I took, you know, I love the water and swimming with dolphins and hiking out and watching the lava flow go into the ocean. And for many many years, we had uh, the annual Hawaiian juggling festival going, and that was just like such a hoot and yeah. such a. A joy to be part of yeah right and a lot of these performers that perform at the wish festival there's a lot of like interwoven connected oh, yeah. activity right like it's the country fair it's the hawaiian juggling festival yeah. it's street performing a pure 39 a lot yeah. of these people have done some sort All of that there's a lot of crossover that, uh, crossover yeah. Yeah. exactly but for something so seemingly random as what we all do there's a lot, there's like a path. Yes. <laughs> and I, it's probably just because it is such a small community yeah. or that we are on our own so much that we just, we were desperate for yeah. <laughs> connecting <laughs> no with somebody. No kidding. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it's such a small community that even if you haven't met somebody like Hilpy, I knew about him yeah. five years before yeah. I met him. And then finally it's like, oh, yay, we get to be. Yeah. And our lives are so unusual to regular people, right? Like when yeah. they hear about it, they're like, I don't understand any of what you do or how your life works. And so when you meet someone else who does the same thing, it's like there's just an instant sort of knowledge of each other's lifestyle and each other's struggles. And and you know you can can enjoy spending time with this person. I mean, the best thing that can happen is if you're on a cruise ship and you meet a fellow performer you know you know i finally i got a friend that can relate yeah yes. and the worst thing is when you're on a cruise ship and the person is lame uh-huh. <laughs> the, other, the other entertainer sucks to I hang out i have with. had that experience i was on a cruise <laughs> up in seattle where i wanted to throw myself oh my board. goodness i was like oh yeah i just stay in my room most of the time now and <laughs> avoid all people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do solo stuff but you talked a little bit about your partner that you worked with david gomez now you worked with david gomez uh, in twist and shout you also worked with Woody from 
from Waldo yeah. and Woodhead as the Fools. You've worked with Stevie G as the Bellini Twins, and you've also worked with Charlie Brown yeah. as the Flaming Heterosexuals. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of duo solo. Do you have a preference? Do you like diversifying? What do you, what do you prefer? Yeah, I mean... Actual stage time. I mean, I like both being solo, and I, but I really like bouncing off somebody else. Yeah. I find that it's it's limited how much you can do as a solo person because if you get two, like the the flaming heterosexuals, it's a ballet. We dance around in tutus, and first it's serious. We pretend to be ballerinas, then it gets goofy, and we do chest bounce. And yeah, and Charlie and, is like a massive dude. Charlie yeah. is a massive dude, so good to bounce chest yeah. bounce off, and and then we die. Or I die, and then he resurrects me, and then I, I give him a hug, and I notice he's a little rough shaven. I, I sit him down, and I lather him up with shaving cream, and then I come out with a running chainsaw and <laughs> shave him. And it, and it's like things like that you just can't do by yourself. Yeah, you know. It's so true. there's yeah. such limits. And the same thing with the with the Bellini twins, you know, a Siamese twin mm-hmm. strip juggling magic act. Yeah, can't do that by myself. Either. Yeah. My whole life, I've been looking for the right partner for my strip, <laughs> Siamese <laughs> twin strip. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have. I mean, so I used to do that with Stevie G also, mm-hmm. and and um, he decided to retire, and uh, now I'm doing it with another buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. great, but it's really hard to organize in monetary successful way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you have to split the money, yeah. the cost, the traveling costs are twice as much. Like Woody and I, we work together, and we have a fantastic show because. He was him and and Waldo were my idols, and Waldo doesn't perform anymore. And we have a, such a funny show. First yeah. time I performed together with Woody, I had to turn around and face away from the audience and bite <laughs> my lip because I was just freaking yeah. dying. And yeah. he he's come to the Moisture Festival before. You two have yeah. done the show together at the yeah. Moisture Festival, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And yeah. I wish he would come over more, you know. But he has a, a dog that he doesn't like to travel away from, so. Uh. So he's kind of a, a homebody. Yeah. And, but it's like I, I, the dynamic of sharing the stage with somebody because, uh, I mean, Woody is I, – I, I'm not the funny person when he's with me. I have How to nice be is the, that, str- huh? the straight <laughs> counterpart. Yeah. That, that he can be funny against. And it's know? hard to be the straight guy. It, it's, it's difficult. A a, you yeah. know, when you're used to being everything in one show, when you do your solo show, I have to be the straight guy. Yeah. I have to be the goof all at once kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. then all of a sudden you have to be just half of it. Yeah. But I do find that the end result is is totally worth well, it. Well, yeah, it takes up that. more space. You have more time to think. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. perform solo. It's like I have to think of stuff so much more quickly. Yes on the fly when you're performing with somebody on stage and they're talking like, oh, I can actually form this joke out in my mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, make yeah, it yeah. sound right as opposed to just stumbling, spewing words that don't make any sense to the audience. And also that he can just sort of stand and watch, you know. Yes. You can't do that when you're solo. you got to yeah. just do action, yeah. action, action. Yeah. So. Now, um, I also read that you uh, took improvisational theater with Keith Johnstone, right? Yeah, it was his class, but it wasn't actually him teaching oh, it. I wish it had gotcha. been. I yeah, he and he really wrote the book awesome. on it, right? Yeah, he yeah. did write the book on yeah. it, but it was his disciples that were teaching it when I was down in San Francisco. Were you like, I, I got ripped off. What's the deal? <laughs> no, it was so much fun. I, I mean, everybody should take an improv class, even if they're not performers. They yeah, just 100%. Just I think it learn. just gives you the ability to communicate with people in a... Yeah. 
yeah. unique way and it and loosens just to you be up. present because yeah. the best thing you learn in improv is not to think ahead because yeah. if you try and think ahead you've already lost it yeah and but if you just go with whatever pops into your mind yeah. that's where the gold is yeah i agree i i tell my girlfriend like you should take improv classes for like when you do like job interviews yeah. or yeah. stuff like yeah. you just be a lot quicker you can read a scenario a lot faster yeah. i think yeah. and yeah. it just gives you the the confidence of okay, things will be all right. Yeah. If I don't, you know, because a lot of times people, whether it's Failing. taking a job interview, they're like so nervous yeah. about it and stuff. And if you just go, oh, I'm going to see what happens and just be open so I can react quickly to yeah. what happens, yeah. then they would do so much better. Yeah. Well, it makes you more present in the whatever it is. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, when you're learning it, you fail quite a bit, right? And so you Dare sort of get fail. over, you get over that fear of, yeah. Yeah, this is going to sound stupid. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you just say you just say it, and if it's stupid, it's stupid, and if it's not, it's not. You yeah. know, I struggle with that all the time. So we don't want to take up all your time, but people can find you at northwestcorporatecomedy.com is your yep. website. NWcorporatecomedy.com. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I forget that not everyone puts that together when they say, so nwcorporatecomedy.com. Where else can they find you? YouTube? Yeah, uh, YouTube. I mean, everything is linked through the website, okay. there, including bellinitwins.com. Yeah. Do, do you post show, shows on that no. site? Kind of? Okay, well, <laughs> they'll send you an email. We'll, if you send us an email, we'll send you his phone number and you can call him yeah exactly <laughs> you, you can drive his mom's bug into the ocean yes. the other would be way too much work <laughs> so what do you got coming up that you're excited about projects uh life events material what what you know yeah, um, what's going on I mean, you know it's interesting now because our kids just left for college so that's uh, uh, wow. a whole nother deal there so uh i get a lot of satisfaction from uh playing underwater hockey oh yeah uh, yeah you told me about what's that. underwater yeah. hockey Hockey. Underwater hockey is like the greatest sport. It's a puck that's made of metal that sinks, okay. and then it's down on a pool that's seven foot deep, and you have six on six, and you have this little stick that kind of looks like an ice hockey skate protector that you push the puck with, and you can flick it. You know, a, a uh -huh. really good person can maybe flick it eight feet, but typically so four to six feet. You, like, swim down and hit it? You, ha you have mask and, and uh, snorkel and fins on, and then you basically get your body down right on top of the surface um, <laughs> on the bottom there and it is like exhausting it is the hardest sport i've ever played and it's so much fun feels like a great way to lose teeth <laughs> no 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 there's not there's Underwater. no, yeah, no it's, everything is slow and stuff i mean yes you can't get kicked but you know you you see it coming and, and people have fins on so they can't just kick kick uh, yeah no. so six on six and is there a goalie also and there's, no there's just a, a goal in each okay end, but you have defense and offense and it is a flipping blast please it's tell so me much. there's a coach for the underwater well we, it's team. all self-coached and self-refereed kind of like uh, okay. ultimate frisbee gotcha. and stuff so yeah i just want to see the coach on the side with the face snorkel down yeah under i him, know trying to yell at you <laughs> but, so you're doing that yeah I, and and yeah just sort of getting used to life without uh, two kids in the yeah. house but it gives me a little more time to focus on uh, on my theater show because a lot of times i go out and i do you know a 45 minute show for i don't know contractors or some corporate corporate thing it. right and uh, but i really like um when i get to perform in a theater and do you know, a full hour or a full hour and a half. I, I find that really satisfying to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to put a little more effort into that and, 
And uh, that's why the the show is called the Henrik Maneuver. Ah. Ooh, that's nice. I like that. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. great. And the Moisture Festival. You're gonna be. You're gonna and I'll be at the Moisture yeah, Festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you've been. You have been at the Moisture Festival. I think almost since the beginning. I, the know? only one I missed was the one in the tent. The first. Oh, one. the very first one. one. I've been to every single one after that. That's though. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always a treat to see you, man. And we really appreciate you coming to the Jupiter Hotel. <laughs> yeah. For the On the Road Moisture Festival podcast, we really appreciate. It. Hey, thanks for doing all this. Awesome. And, uh, can't wait to hear this and all the other uh, recordings that you're doing. I'm psyched <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's cool, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's Dot com. And Matt Baker's site, ComedyStuntShow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast, and stay moist.